0: Welcome to the Industrial Talk Podcast with Scott McKenzie. Scott is a passionate industry professional dedicated to transferring cutting-edge, industry-focused innovations and trends while highlighting the men and women who keep the world moving. So put on your hard hat, grab your work boots, and let's go. All right, once again, thank you very much for joining an ever-expanding juggernaut of industrial entertainment here on Industrial Talk. It is a platform that celebrates industry professionals' all around the world. And I'm pointing at you if you are out on video, because you're bold, you're brave, you dare greatly, you innovate, you collaborate, you solve problems, and it never stops. You're making the world a better place, and I truly believe that in my heart of hearts. Now, in the hot seat, again, you know I I just geek out on anything industrial, and I love where it's an exciting time to be in industry, and I'm going to continue to be the cheerleader behind all that. We have a wonderful conversation with a gentleman by the name of Ivar Jacobson. Now, he's, he's got mad street cred when it comes to programming. Um, he's been around. In fact, in fact, use cases right there came from Ivar we're gonna be talking about all the stuff that's taking place within his world on this industrial talk. Let's get cracking. Yeah, it's exciting. You ever have those conversations, which I have all the time, quite frankly. Just FYI, that uh, you're 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 talking to individuals that truly are passionate about thinking differently, solving problems and solving those problems in a way that they, they, they bring in everybody. They want to bring in more. They want to bring in more insights and more uh, companies and individuals that bring fresh perspective to some of the challenges. And also solve those problems that we just, for whatever reason, take for granted. We become numb, right? We become numb to uh, the pain that they create. Ivar, man, I'm telling you, this is a great conversation. It is a uh, a paper and pencil chat by the way I've got in front of me an email with a bunch of links so when you hear Ivor you just know that there are a ton of other additional information about what he and his team are providing and I'm just they're all there so go out to industrialtalk.com and be able to sort of grab yourself some more information about Ivor and uh, all the things that are taking place within his world and as well as team's world. All right. I'm going to be at uh, a number of locations, and I'm going to start, uh, go out to Industrial Talk, and I'm going to publish it. And And I think the thinking behind all of that is, one, I'm going to be broadcasting from events throughout the year, and and I'm trying to gear up. A couple of things. One, I wanna be able to do more on sites on site conversations with the, the, the companies that are <laughs> Producing something, manufacturing something, using uh, in real life the digital transformation solutions and everything else and how to how to really be a better manufacturer or uh, a producer of whatever product or solving problems. So I'm going to go out and I'm going to put out on, on Industrial Talk the places that I will be. And if you have any interest in me buzzing on by while I'm at that conference or whatever it might be, to have a face-to-face conversation, I, I highly recommend that uh, you make it happen. I am I'm I'm all for it. The other area that uh, I'd like to be able to start expanding upon, and that is uh, being able to inspire through your help, through your vision. Uh, the, the the younger professionals, the younger leaders in the world of manufacturing, in the world of uh, digital transformation, in the world of whatever is happening out there, robotics, digital twin, you name it, programming, all of the stuff that that we as a society need and we need to be able to in, um, inspire the future, the future leaders to be able to be a part of this incredible time. I wish I was younger and and. and, and being exposed to all of this wonderful and great solution, so those are the two things on site going to be broadcasting from locations. I'm going to be in Orlando, going to be in Virginia, as well as being able to have an opportunity to speak to uh, the youth and future leaders and inspire them. Because you guys, everybody, industry is inspiring, and uh, and we just gotta we just gotta do it. All right, on to the conversation now. Again. Paper and pencil, you can always come back. I'd love for you to subscribe. Subscribe to Industrial Talk. We're out on all the po- uh, podcast platforms. Of course I got a YouTube. I got all that stuff. Subscribe so you don't miss miss out. Because what you what you don't want, you don't want this might be you might have to sort of take a break and go and do whatever is necessary and come on back. Don't miss out on this conversation. Don't miss out and listen to it and and be able to reach out to uh Iris. Yeah uh, uh Uh, and uh, be able to connect with him so here we go let's get going with this conversation with iver jacobson iver welcome to industrial talk thank you very much all the way from switzerland
1: switzerland yes top of the alps not quite on the very top but very close to the top Uh, uh, listeners i uh
0: we've had a number of conversations over zoom and every time uh, i have a conversation with it's always sunny, and I know it's nice and brisk outside, and there's there snow? Is there snow out there, right? Oh, sure. <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> you bet. Oh, yeah. But it's all, oh. every time, it's, it's always sunny. You got a
1: great... <laughs> uh, today, too, yes. Yeah, it is. I'm all jealous. We are so high up, you know, so it's uh, hard for the clouds to get up here. Is that true? That's not true. Give it up. Oh, sometimes
0: we have clouds. Yeah. yeah, because you snow. have snow. Yeah. <laughs> All right. For the listeners out there, Ivor, uh, j- just just, I want to make sure you listeners understand that uh, uh, Ivor is a legend. Let's just sort of lay it out there. If you use the term use case, you're you're listening to the individual that came up with that term. So just FYI, that's that's why he is a pioneer, a legend. So with that said, with that laying that foundation, Ivor, uh, just give us a little background outside of all of the other stuff. Give us a background on who Ivor is, and then we're going to go into an interesting conversation.
1: Um, background. That was an interesting thought. I, <clears throat> I, I love what I'm doing and, uh, I should um, probably have finished the uh, working, retired, at least I could have retired 20 years ago, <sniffs> but um, <laughs> it's never in my mind. Uh, and uh, that was actually when I uh, just 20 years ago, I was rewarded um, something called Gustav der uh Prize from Chalmers Institute of Technology. It's quite a prestigious university, uh, even in the whole world. Uh, And um, um, that was for use cases. And uh, to tell you the truth, um, I was uh, totally flabbergasted. Because um, uh, the idea of use cases is that before you develop a product, find out how you're going to use it. That's as simple as that. And how that could lead to something called the Little Nobel Prize in Sweden is, um, yeah.
0: see, you know what's interesting? And and, and it's so funny. I remember um, many years ago, not, you know, outside of the fact... Yeah, what are you going to do if you retire? Just, just I've always had that conversation as well. It's like, well, what do I do? What do I play golf or what? What do I drive around and go to Walmart? What What do I do? You know, and it's like, nah, I can't retire. And no, can you can't either because you're you're obligated to everybody here to uh, continue to be brilliant. How's that?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's simply. Basically- <laughs> yeah. But anyway, when I was. uh, Overwhelming, yeah.
0: Well, when I was uh, uh, a number of years ago, and somebody popped in a, uh, the term use case, I didn't understand it, and then all of a sudden, it's like,
1: oh, oh, that's it. <laughs> well, of course, it makes sense. <laughs>
0: well, I'll, kudos uh, you, uh, you, you
1: know? use cases. When I introduced it, I did it uh, in a technical uh, yeah. context, and uh, <clears throat> but it was, of course. The mindset was, that this is not, most natural thing in the world, uh, and um, the technical uh, implementation uh, was quite advanced. That uh, I wrote, I wrote a book about it. So, it... Well, of course, you did. I mean, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you write a book about it?
0: Right. But what interests me, and as I looked at uh, the information that you provided, which was quite extensive, and, and uh, I'm humbled by it. Is that there's a couple of competing type of uh, themes that I sort of gleaned from it. One, you you started your career in the world of engineering, right? And there's a there's a discipline there. There's a uh, a desire to you know follow things and get it done and map it. You know, there's a discipline there, and then you quickly realize that there's this sort of you know program programmers and all of this other stuff, which tends to be sort of. I don't know, just sort of this Wild West type of mindset. And yet, so there's this competing. Can you sort of take us through your thinking on this sort of engineering versus this uh, approach when it comes to programmers and and what companies are dealing with? That would be great.
1: Yeah, as a a fresh engineer, I still had a – a, a severe mind to work, uh, continue research. I've been offered to continue, get a doctor's degree at my institute. But <clears throat> I thought now I've studied my whole life. I should at least know what an engineer does. So I selected the most boring work I could imagine, uh, but engineering and successful. I went to Ericsson. They built a relay-based switch system. And um, uh, there was absolutely new computing. And I did I actually didn't know much about computing. But I learned engineering. And I started to love it. I felt never back to research. Um, and, but after a couple of years, I understood um, computers are coming. And uh, I was offered to to move to the computing department. Here they immediately assigned me to be project manager for the most mission critical product we had. (laughs) And I knew nothing about programming and nothing about uh, uh, computing Uh, that had not been on my resume, but I probably was um, a good project manager, at least they liked me, but the people liked me. And I was pushing and uh, leading the team to good results. It took me, well, of course, I was 28 years old. So when they offered it, I said, "Okay, of course. And um, but it took me three months to really get under the skin because there were no books, nothing of real value at that time. So I had to read code. and understand machine code. After these three months, I felt that the way we are building a product, we never ever become uh, a product that we can market around the world. It was the traditional way of building at that time. Namely, basically separated uh, the software from the, the program, from the code. And you build two different hierarchies be they were completely separate but interrelated interactions was so immense between the program because it could read anywhere and to change was a hell so um, but i knew components from hardware so i translated my thinking from hardware to How could we use that idea in software? Yeah, we could identify things. We call them actually blocks. We've clear interfaces. And whatever was in the block, could be data, could be code, could be actually hardware too, uh, was hidden from outside. The only way to access it was by sending uh, messages between things um, it took eight months and as a project manager in daytime i run the project as people wanted to it be, to be run but uh, i talked to my boss and said this will never ever become a product and when the project manager says manager says this will never ever become a product what does he do he went to his boss and his boss said I have no clue. You have to talk to my boss because he has done in, been in US and he is able to compute. So we talked to the person I've never seen. You know, you, you hear about but never seen. And he said, "Okay, do as you want." But you know, then I had to convince the people, and uh, no one wanted to do it. They felt this is just. But, but. Hold on! Hold on! When you said
0: no one wants to do it, like the programmers didn't want to do it, you're you're trying and, uh, to create. You got these silos, right? These it's like here's this you know engineering side, here's this program side. You're trying to bring some sort of them together to create a deliverable, right? A a product that's never really been
1: there before, right? No. So um, uh, it was um, it was a very difficult situation. My boss, he collected uh, uh, all the managers and we were 13 managers and he presented the approach and he asked, how, do you, how many of you like this? Uh, what do you think about it? He said, and the, the most positive guy said, I don't know. <laughs> said, this this would go very bad for Ericsson, but he implemented it and we did it. I did the first two components ever in that company myself. When, when you say nice. comp- uh, what do you say when you say components? What do you mean by that? That is, uh, you can say it. Basically, it's a piece of software, including code, right? It's both code and, and nowadays data is uh, in the code, but at that time it was totally separate. We made a records. We we used assemblers. You can imagine there was no support whatsoever for interaction. And for every interaction point, we introduced the macro instruction. So um, wow. we had to identify macros for to offer to other components. So, so let's fast forward a little bit. So you you you've experienced. You've been in the trenches.
0: You're trying to figure out how to begin to bring these two uh, very important components together to be to deliver a a product that makes sense in light of like, hey, we got to do it. But you fast forward and I'm looking at some of the data here and you're still some large companies still have, like you you said here, uh, about 10,000 programmers and they still sort of have no discipline and they just keep on programming and they just keep on. How how do you how do you begin to grab that tiger by the tail and be able to deliver something? I mean, I mean, the thing is saying you're saying, hey, estimated 80 percent of the program work is. it's just help us understand where we are today and where. How do
1: we how do we improve this? I <laughs> hear the problem, but how do we improve it? I mean, uh, the world has basically uh, gone in cycles, and there has been periods when we believe uh, software development is an engineering discipline, and there are periods when we think it's a craft, and uh, it. 20 years ago, um, or even more um, people, particularly when Agile came uh, yeah. and let me say it loud and clearly, Ag- Agile was a savior for software engineering, but um, it became a, too much of a craft. And um, we are uh, software development is primarily done by craftspeople and not by engineers. But it's not a simple thing, because there is also quite some engineering in how we work today, but it's far too little. So we um, and, and it complicates even more because basically in every role, not quite every but many roads uh, we are have uh, both have to work as a craftsperson and as an engineer. It would be easier if there were some some roads that are totally just crafts and others just engineering. But um, uh, it's more a blended situation. So we need to find solutions that are help us to basically reduce the need for for craft and increase the ability to engineer things. Engineering means a a faster, better, high, of course, higher quality. And uh, there are estimates But 80% of the work we do when we deal with software is no brain work, meaning it's people follow patterns that they have learned and just um, do what they know how to do. They don't have to think much. If I anyway not create, (laughs) they think, of course, but not create. If imagine we can get these 80% to be more engineering-like work. That would in in that would have enormous impact on the quality, on the speed, on the happiness. Uh, not the least for happiness of people who who do the job. It, it, to to expand upon that, are are we
0: are you saying or advocating that? there still is a necessity for craftspeople, whatever that definition is, that sort of that thinker, that sort of, free. we're going to just that craft individual to focus on that energy that exists in there on the 20%. And then eventually there has to be a way of taking that 20% and then begin to shift some of the results into that 80%, which then becomes just more uh, engineering, uh, you know, more,
1: is that what you're saying? Yes it's very very close I think if I, I, it's I think I mean the same thing yes
0: yeah because it and i I, I completely, it, it, it today ivor there, there's uh there there's a lot of conversation that is wrapped around uh AI wrapped around what's taking place in the world of innovation and in in that world where uh much of the the conversation around it is that I want to remove the mundane. I want to let something happen over here, and then leave sort of that that specialized area over here. The twenty percent, whatever. Do you find in the world of engineering, do you think that there's there's a place? I mean, I hate to say the mundane because it's important stuff, right? Mm.
1: <laughs> well, there is no doubt about that. We we see a lot of how AI can be applied uh, in, for instance, code generation. That is uh, to many people something that they couldn't imagine, at least not yet. But um, my own journey, first, uh, AI was coined somewhere in the 60s, 1960s. Uh, First time I really uh, saw the need for it is uh, when I worked at Ericsson, and I wrote actually, he called it a green, small, green, four green books, (laughs) uh, hundreds of pages each. And one of them was about um, applying AI in software development. Uh, It was far too early. But in 2000, I actually set up a company with my uh, eldest daughter, who was a consultant uh, and salesperson at Rational Software. And uh, that company developed a product called Waypointer, which actually supported the Rational Unified process and made it uh, very agile. Um, we, um, we didn't support the whole process, a good, I am happy to say. But the essential parts of it use cases, architecture, uh, design, and testing. And of course, uh, path to code and, and uh, implementation. The, the product was uh, very successful uh, in one way, uh, namely, of users. We had two big companies using it Aetna in, in uh, Connecticut and uh, in Sweden it was a bank and both were very successful but what happened <laughs> rap fell like a stone uh, and there are good reasons for that so so don't misunderstand me uh, but also agile rose like uh, uh, um, <laughs> whatever you want to call it, from nothing to something huge. Yeah, it exploded. Yeah, and and this was so anti-agile to have tools to help people think. So I shut down the company uh, and bought it into my current company. So it has been there waiting, waiting for the time to come back. Uh, no code will be. We developed our own own um, uh, rule engine. It was based on uh, object-oriented expert systems. Uh, it's called intelligent agents, and it was so. It was very different from the old-fashioned huge expert systems. But it came at the wrong time, and. Uh, now, there is so much more technique, uh, underlying technique. We don't need to develop our own rule engine. We don't de- need to develop a, a, a rule language, for instance. We don't need to do that. All that comes with the modern techniques in machine learning and so on that we have in modern agile, uh, in <laughs> modern AI. And um, so, of course, but It's important to understand there are dreams now. AI has always been overhyped. So there are dreams that in one magical way, we will use AI uh, to develop uh, complete products. Maybe for simple products. uh, I don't know if they are so simple, but I I like exactly what the CEO of Microsoft—I uh, cannot remember the Indian's name—but he. Do you know his name? I, I no, I, I don't. I, but I know who it is. I see his face. Oh, me too. So he—he uh, he has said that we will use Chat um, GPT techniques or similar techniques in all our products at uh, Microsoft. So he means that the products will be augmented with uh, GPT-like techniques to give better uh, experience from users to users. And um, he doesn't say the other thing. These products are not needed anymore (laughs) because GPT technique will fix it all to us. See that, that's a that's that's an exciting future. It's
0: it's it's that's unique. Let me ask oh, you yeah. this, and I, I, this is exciting because I I I hear what you're saying. I've been taking notes. You've been talking about code. We've got ten thousand programmers. We've got a lot of sort of moving parts around here, and and when we start talking about code, you popped up a number of methodologies. And I'm in, let's say I'm an organization, right? And and I've just got. Somebody doing this, somebody doing that, and it's all over the place. You have a solution or a an approach to be able to sort of bring some discipline into that sort of wild west component. And 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 correct me if I'm wrong. I'm talking about uh, essence. Is that is, is that? Can you explain to the listeners a little bit about you know what that means and where you're going with that? Because I I think it's intriguing.
1: Yeah, let, let me start by saying and what triggered uh the development of essence because uh, that is also talking about the values we are trying to achieve so basically the world is full of ideas they're full of practices it's full of patterns uh it's uh, we and we talk about agile the most important thing to to we want people to learn is the mindset, agile, the principles. And we also want them once they are or or work or agile to be able to apply practices, techniques that are useful for them. And they are not the same for for, uh, uh, every team, not even for every team in the same company. Every team has something uh, should have a luxury or select their own way of working within some constraints. And now what do we have? We have frameworks to offer uh, or, they, <clears throat> or we also have a single uh, great practices like uh, SCAM, Kanban, user stories, maybe I can put in use cases there, uh, and um, uh, many other small small pieces of a puzzle. But when we have frag uh, frameworks with, which are uh, defined with what content we have and the content is selected by someone uh, who has uh, probably done some good work, but then he has to feel it complete with work from others, and uh, these frameworks definitely play a role before we have got our act together, because they help at least the troubled organization to get some uh, some organi- some structure. So, well, but there are many of them, and they have different terminology, different vocabulary. They uh, they talk about uh, promoting di- and they structure the whole thing very differently. They look very differently. They are, they are like isolated islands with no bridges between them. And from this world of these different frameworks, people have to choose. But they cannot choose freely. I like this thing in safe, but I prefer this thing in wherever, uh, less, or I like it. So they are are not uh, these things, call them practices. They are in method prisons. They are sitting in a prison, in the safe prison or in the dead prison. Right, right, right. right. You cannot take them uh, easily and say, this is my way of working. This is our way of working. So, um, you know, I was once one of these gurus that it was rational, unified process. And uh, I, it took me a while to a couple of years to get into this agile mindset. It was actually Dave Thomas who taught me Uh, Dave Thomas, uh, OTI Dave Thomas, not pragmatics Dave Thomas. Uh, I, I have seen he, a lot of guys work too. he's great. But anyway, it took uh, it did took, didn't take long time once I had a chance to sit down and talk to him. Two hours and he turned me on. And so we have all these things. And then I understood my future mission is not to create yet another RAP or similar or complete frameworks where people but which sell as if it was here, you can find anything. You can take it and you can. Scale down. No, scaling down doesn't work because it. what should I take away? Yeah, Everything. yeah. So instead, we start to think there must be a common ground between all these frameworks. Uh-huh. And uh, and so we tr- we developed one. It took we had six people working for about half a year, and we think we found one. We tried it against the fifty different methods. And when we when we discovered tried it and we discovered now we have to do a better one. The interesting thing it shrank. It became smaller, this common ground. We call it the kernel. And we also provided it with a little very simple language. But there were some great innovations in that language, which I, I'm not going to into, but needed to be able to build it. Then the whole idea is that this kernel will work as a base to describe whatever thing you want to describe. So you can describe, for instance, we have done it with Scum and Jeff Sutherland says essence is the key to success this thing we call essence by the way and he says essence is the key to success we two weeks ago we announced we have done it with David Anderson on Kanban and we have done it with Spotify we have done it with uh, many architectural practices eight I think coming from SCI and other places and uh, we are now working with. Uh, Dave, uh, we are working with. Um, a, I, I cannot mention until we have signed it. But we have nine other methodologists essentializing their work. <laughs> Maybe I'm, um, I'm. I need
0: to simplify this a little bit. I'm a company. So, I'm a company, and I. Uh, I say, hey. Here's this. Uh, there's here's this framework. This this kernel. This this essence that I'm really intrigued with. Take us through. How would I engage with you? The 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 product. The solution. What what is it? And then what is the objective for me on the other end? Let's say. I, yep. I'm all thumbs up with essence. Yes. I'm having the right conversations. Yes. I have my team wrapped around this. What am, I, what, what am I hoping to achieve?
1: Uh, I am hoping to achieve <clears throat> a way to have all the competence I have in the company and outside accessible to any team in the company. So, I mean, if you take a company like Ericsson, Once upon a time, they had twenty-five different methods, (laughs) and they couldn't at that time send one guy from one method to work with another. Another thing. I mean, this is crazy. So instead, having this uh, uh, an ecosystem where you can go and select the practices and compose them into a working method. And you any changes that happen in, it, in this ecosystem will be accessible to you next day. And the people who build this ecosystem are not your fellows. Many of them are David Anderson. Jeff mm-hmm. Beck, the brilliant guys in the world. I have not kept back on this yet. But I mentioned people like that. Yeah. And imagine it's not only them, because uh, even if Jeff and Ken invented scum, there are many variations of scum. They can also be there in this framework, but they should be motivated in one way or the other. And then you need, of course, uh, an AI system to select among Always, because it's too overwhelming uh, at some point in time.
0: See, what you're giving me is you're giving me some structure. At least you're giving me something that is accessible. Me as a company, I'm going, okay, I got it. But not only that, you're giving me the best minds to continue to help me succeed in my efforts to develop what I need to develop. And it's right here. I don't have to... Scramble you know just it, it, there's that that chaos that exists out there you're able to give me in this essence the real nuggets of of success for my program and my my efforts
1: with the latest thinking right yes. is that am I looking at that right exactly and and you know yeah. uh, I was very criticized originally inside my own company. Because why do you give this away? We have spent uh, this number of millions on it. And why do you give it away? Uh, I give it away. I gave it away to, to a community called CMATS. And they, uh, they, they started all over. Uh, the community wanted to create a kernel for software engineering. And uh, they, I didn't in any way enforce they used whatever we had done. But uh, they liked it, and uh, we have something much had some much something much better. With this result, we could then go to OMG and get uh, hundreds of people to review it and approve it. That was probably, if I was anything smart, I did in this situation. This was smart to give it away, and after have, have spent so much money on developing it, and we. At that time, we had no idea how we could ever make any money on this, but we felt uh, this is needed. We cannot have it. this. she and,
0: and and there's that that whole uh, argument about open source and people contributing and being able to create the collective knowledge and put it on. I mean, there's a there's a. Um, there's a power behind that, and I I, I can definitely appreciate your quite uh, your company's generosity in pulling this together because it it's truly needed. All right, one last question before we wrap it up, there, Ivor, where where do you see this going? It's still you you, you know you've got you got another thirty years of uh, your profession. <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's the least. <laughs> see, I, <laughs> Where do you where do you see it going? Where do you see the sort of? Well, uh, I, I, I think at. we are. Um, let let me say that we are uh, working on many different directions. Yeah, we yeah. are uh, first of all we want um, all the people who have good ideas to feel a place where they can put these good ideas and be sure be rewarded. So okay. we don't uh, essentialize anything without uh, having the the originator to uh, basically own the result. And uh, if there is any money made ever, then we will share with them. So and and they will at least get a lot of recognition from being part of this uh, uh, framework. It's not like our methodologists uh, that have to do it. I'm not criticizing my my colleague friends for for ha- having to do what we do. Namely, uh, they have to take uh, and modify. For instance, if you take a uh, uh, scum into safe, they have to modify it because scum as it is da- designed originally doesn't really fit into safe. So that is uh, natural. So. Uh, doing what we are doing is much more fundamental. But um, so so we have to work to get many people to love it. The other thing we want to do uh, is the academics absolutely need to embrace it. So we have a, a forum, Essence Education Forum, with 60 plus uh, uh, professors that are working on new uh, education programs based on Essence. And there is a lot of activity go around the world in the academic world on uh, adopting uh, uh, essence as, um, as instead of teaching whatever they do in software engineering, usually some example method or something like that, teaching a common ground that uh, students can bring with them the whole rest of their life. And of uh, course, yeah, we like target, eventually target is the industry. And um, we have been working with really big companies to create their own way of working. And um, uh, many of them have used safe and um, find after a while safe was good for us, but now we need to have control of our own method. That is the big companies. And of course they are very good for us so we can grow our business and develop more things. Um, now we are working on something very small, namely we are working on small packages uh, where we <clears throat> where we, for instance, can have a scum team to become a better scum team. Easier huh. learn the core ideas of uh, uh, of essence, of, of uh, scum. And um, essence is hidden for them. They don't really see it. It's like the motor in the car. You know, you don't need to drive a car to know the, uh, the, what how the motor functions, you know, yeah. what you need to do to get it to work. And so on. That's our metaphor. So uh, <clears throat> we We'll soon uh, in beta have um, Scamp, uh, a package for Scamp teams, and we are working on uh, after that to do many small products like that. So I have a good idea,
0: and I I want access to the good idea. How do I how do I begin this journey with uh, you and and your team, or uh, I want to be engaged. What 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 is the best way for me to make that happen?
1: Yeah, you can uh, go to our website, uh, essence um, slash com. I think that's the name of it. Uh, and you will start your journey there. You're welcome to contact me and I will make sure you will be taken care of um, and there uh, well, is a LinkedIn article that I've written titled Learn More About Essence, uh, which um, is uh, is hard to keep updated because uh, yeah, uh, a lot of things happening, but it's uh, a okay start. and uh, based uh, a an meetup group called Essence for Agility. And uh, they, we, we have more than four thousand members that uh, join us. Uh, last week we had a meeting with um, Kanban uh, two weeks ago, I think. Kanban uh, and um, David Anderson, and uh, they expressed their happiness with using uh, Essence. And and by the way, we use we use gamification. Yeah. Yes. Uh, in, Play. <laughs> so learning and adopting and working not only it's not only learning we also have a path to move from learning to doing that uh, simplifies it for the team once we have learned something to get started so um, it's uh, and and that uh, is really very successful The gaming is particularly interesting in in our case, because since our games rely on a a language with deep semantics, it's not only intuition that basically all other games are based on, uh, with some exception. Um, But most games you know of are are, uh, just relying on intuition whereas our game is relying on language with an underlying deep semantics, which uh, you don't really need to know, d- but it works. You can play hundreds of games, and they ha- all hang together if if they're related.
0: Yeah, I, I. all I know is I enjoyed this conversation. All I know is that if I was in the market and I wanted to uh, be successful at uh, my profession, you would be the first place I'd go to make that happen. That would, I mean, I mean, you, this is, this is important because you can, I can sense the passion in your voice, in what I see and how you want to just make sure that people succeed. You're you're solving a problem out there. You were absolutely wonderful. Iver. I appreciate Thank that. You.
1: All Thank right, you. listeners. I'm going <clears throat> to say one last to just the last word. Yeah, yeah. big thank you to OMG, who has made this a standard and who has yeah. reviewed it by hundreds of people and
0: yeah. challenged yeah.
1: it and got it to the place where it is and is still managing its evolution. There are changes to be done. Uh, originally, Essence was designed for software engineering, but now it we and it has been used for uh, for system engineering and basically for any kind of engineering. But now it will it work next release of Essence. Hopefully, will include direct support for all these things. Probably, so those, I, those are it, new use cases, right? Yeah, it is. <laughs> And and, uh, and and I also want to say that the uh, essence is not only for describing practices. It's really helps in describing the mindset. So change the mindset of the developers. So It's not only about these technical details. It's about how you think yeah. um, uh, to really become agile or be uh, agile. I
0: see. Yeah, I'm giddy. Giddy, I love it. I love what you're talking about. This is an incredible uh, solution, service, product, whatever you want to call it. It is. It's spectacular. And I'm, I'm going to, uh, listeners, I'm going to um, hound him down to make sure that we have all of the the links that are necessary for you to com- uh, connect with uh, Ivor and, and his team and be a part of that. Of course, omg.org will be out there, the whole thing. So fear not. You're going to have every bit of information to be able to reach out to this gent and others so that you be successful. All right, listeners, we're going to wrap it up on the other side. Stay tuned. We will be right back. You're listening to the Industrial Talk Podcast Network. How about that for a conversation? That is definitely one for the books. Ivor Jacobson. Go out to Industrial Talk. Reach out. Find his uh, stat card out on LinkedIn. Connect with him. I'm just telling you, you need to. If you're in the world of industry, if you're in the world of truly solving problems, you need to connect and you need to collaborate with people like Ivor, as well as all of the other links that I have out there with all this great content that has been produced and more information, because we're all about educating. you got to educate, especially now. This world is fast when it comes to technology educate and you have to collaborate and whether we like it or not we've got to innovate and to do that we've got to definitely educate and collaborate to to achieve that i always feel like i'm i don't have enough time in the day right i i see the sense of of urgency that happening in in industry and i just get all uh excited as well as tense because I, I just think that there's so much that can be done, so so many stories that can be amplified, so many solutions that that uh, can uh, solve solve great problems, and we just need to get that message out there. We just got to do it. We got to inspire the future and make that happen. So if you if you're interested in that, go out to industrialtalk.com, reach out. I would love a conversation with you and see how we can collaborate to get that message out. So that's industrialtalk.com. All right. As always, be bold, be brave. Dare greatly hang out. Definitely, definitely hang out with Ivor, and you're going to change the world. We're going to have another great conversation. Oh, coming at you in stereo. So stay tuned. We will be right back.